You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. <laughs> is it playing? I'm guessing it's playing on Yep, there it is. Just, just beautiful music. Tuesday, you guys. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DMV. Let's go! Let's go! There it is. That energy, the squad is complete. My God, look at this. The super team is back together. Without that, but he's here. Dev was here. Harrison, welcome. as always by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Use promo code DMVR whenever you sign up and look at it over here. Represent. Myself, that's right. And vote. Hey guys, how how's everyone? Uh, Harrison has a wedding ring on that keeps throwing me off. <laughs> I saw him in the scrum. I'm like, who's that guy? I was yeah, like, oh, that's our guy. He went gold. He went gold. gold's back. If you haven't heard, <laughs> gold's back. The gold standard. I hear uh, over here. I've got D Line Co. That's right, guys. Um, Harrison has. Why are you staring his his wedding? That, that's I. I didn't I learn. To, I didn't learn to look at somebody whether or not they were wearing a wedding wedding ring until I was trolling for chicks. Yeah, well, that's obviously what's going on. For Are you trolling for chicks <laughs> at, at, towards Harrison? <laughs> yes, I am trolling, trolling for, for chicks trolling. with D-Line. I don't think I've ever could imagine hearing D-Line <laughs> say, saying the phrase chicks. trolling for chicks. Very yeah, uncomfortable kind of right now. Like hey, guys, <laughs> let me know if you guys want to troll for chicks later. And then over there, the man with the ring on his finger, it's yeah. Harrison Wynn. Still married a week and a half into nice, it. Dude. So I'm sorry for that it, false report. It's last been week. great so far. Yeah, I heard a lot about some uh, some rumblings coming from your reporting here. On the I show. had thought I heard <laughs> that I've been hearing things weren't some going so hot right off the bat. But <laughs> unbelievable. Bad info. Unbelievable. Bad info. Well, we are happy to have uh, the whole squad back here today and complete. And there's no shortage of things to discuss today. We're going to spend segments two and three talking about. I know you guys did this on Friday. Some sort of like immediate reactions to the sure. press, Cronky presser. I went through, transcribed every bit of it, broke it down, made very detailed topics. So we're actually not mm. just going to go in like big takeaways. I want to walk you through what does what did Josh Kroenke reveal about KSE and how they approach decision He's not making. The owner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and I think even we're going to debate. You know, I, Harrison had a pretty. I think. It, um, he came in a little hot yesterday with, with his perspective on the presser. I have a little bit of a different one, so I think it'll be nice to kind of have differing perspectives on it, uh, and it'll provide for some great conversation. But first, today, our first workout, I believe it's the first one, right? This is the first, first public, 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 public official one. pre-draft yeah. workout. And you've got David Roddy and a whole host of other people there. We also heard from Calvin Booth. I was not in attendance today. Britton Vote, Harrison Wind, you guys were. Harrison, why don't you walk us through, first of all, who was here and give me kind of your first takeaway. 
So David Roddy was the headliner. Uh, there were five other guys there, but I think we could start with Roddy. I yeah. mean, we've talked about him on the show. We, we know kind of the, the, the nuts and bolts on Roddy from CSU, really unique player. And we've also talked about how the Nuggets like him. Like there's, there's yeah. genuine interest yeah. from the Nuggets. They've seen David Roddy play a ton. They've seen him play a ton live just because he's right up the road at CSU. They've had him in for interviews. They had a meet and greet with him a month ago. They brought him back for a pre-draft workout today. And, I mean, from all accounts, he performed pretty well. Like, the Nuggets really like him as a player, as a person. That's part of Roddy's appeal. Um, he's just the type of guy, character-wise, that you want in your building, that you want on your team. Yeah. And so it's going to be interesting to follow. Um, yeah, all accounts where he had a good workout today. And, you know, we'll see. He's kind of a projected early second rounder, I'd say, right now. The Nuggets are at 21. Maybe they'll move back, acquire a second rounder. Maybe they'll look to get him. We'll see. But um, I I'm here for the Roddy hype train. I think I'm here <laughs> for it. I like it. So oftentimes when oh, – I'll actually first throw it to you. Do you have any like kind of big overarching takeaways from being in the building today? Well, it was it was just interesting to see all the brass together back yeah. alone. Everyone was yeah. there. Um, that was fun. Get to talk to everyone, see what they were – their early thoughts on these workouts. Roddy is so impressive with the media, so well prepared really? for this. I, I think yeah. so. He's yeah. a great talker. He's a talker. Uh, he's happy to talk, and he and he, he seems prepped for it. I I and a lot of FaceTime from David Roddy with Malone and, and Calvin Booth today, and you know I, I think about how one of the hardest things to do in the draft is pin down the type of guy that you're drafting, not just player but person, and I. I you know, Denver has seen so much of David Roddy, both as a player and a person. Right. That that, you know, not probably not talking about twenty one, but I think that's a that's a real interest we're talking about. Yeah. In terms of guys who the Nuggets have scouted in this draft, like they've scouted David Roddy the most, right. probably out of anybody. Right. Like yeah. they know everything there is to know about him. They know his game inside and out. They they've done their homework. They've done their research. Like they know probably more about David Roddy than he knows about himself. He's a smart player. I mean, we've given the there's you can go backwards. We had Justin Michael on our CSU guy, and he gave us a good scouting report. We did a, a good I'm back and on that forth. Today, so, actually, um, there you go. So we've we've already talked about him. You could find that podcast previously. I think a couple weeks back. Um, but I will say he's a, this the overarching thing on him can do a lot of things, a, a, a lot of different things on the basketball court. Super high IQ and equally as important to the high IQ. A willingness, almost an innate willingness, to do those things. Yes. Some players, yeah. it's like I know what to do, but I want to shoot, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be the shooter on this one, or I'm gonna be this. Like he's like, oh no, I need to go dive and then screen on the outside, like for this. Like that's what I'm gonna do. He just he does all of the right things. And so, other than the shooting and his body is obviously, I mean, he has a body that nobody in the NBA has. Maybe Justice Winslow is the only guy that ha kind of has he that. He looks body. like a fullback, man. He yeah, is. he just he's, mm -hmm. he's he's um he's square. You know, and then he's stocky. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, stocky. Yeah. But uh, although he does that, have that crazy wingspan, so you know that helps. But um, I think Yoke would like him, other than the fact that he can't shoot. But he would be one of those guys that I think makes the offense easier for the guys who can shoot and can score and can do things because sometimes you need a guy that's just knows how to open up other players. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be willing to play whatever role the Nuggets want him to. I feel like he was a star at CSU, but he. It's not like he wants or needs to be a star or a yeah. focal point at the NBA level. Like that was the role he played at CSU because he was just the best player on the team. But you know, he sees himself as a glue guy at the NBA level, yeah. like a guy who can do a little bit of everything, shoot, 
score, pass, defend. He, he'll be a great complimentary piece for, for any team. Yeah, what you just said about him, I think he understands about himself. The yeah. glue guy thing and that innate willingness dynamic. And that's there's only so much you can pick up from in these these workout post-workout interviews, but that's usually the top thing I'm looking for when I talk to these guys is that level of self-awareness yeah. heading into the draft. Mm-hmm. How is your bread buttered? And, and Roddy is a guy that, despite not necessarily having one or two skills where you go, okay, he does that, he just sort of understands it's that... The two guys he brought up today were P.J. Tucker and Draymond Green. I love it. Let's go, so baby. this is a guy who yeah, understands. Let's go. It's He's the, somewhere it's in between the perfect them. answer yeah. You know, yeah. for a guy like him to get. More P.J. Tucker, I would say, than yes. Draymond Green, but yeah. nonetheless. Yeah. He knows what he's. He knows who he is. I love that, that yeah. he brought those guys up. Um, oftentimes, Harrison, when we have these workouts, there's the guy, and that was David Roddy. Mm-hmm. The other guys that are brought in, there's two reasons. One, you're looking for guys that are going to be on your summer league roster. If they're not big names. Or you're looking for somebody that is going to test the, the guy you have in the most important ways. Do you get a sense for who those guys were? Like, who is the guy that was like, we want to see how Roddy handles this? Well, the other big namer th- th- that was here, I feel like, was Wendell Moore out of Duke. Mm. And you look at him, and on paper, he's kind of exactly what the Nuggets need. A, a 6'5", 6'6" really good defender on the wing who has a long wingspan and gets a lot of steals. Interesting. And the one thing you think about with Roddy and immediately when I think about how Roddy's going to translate to the next level, I just go back to that tournament game that he had against Michigan yeah. where he really struggled against yeah. NBA level length. Like that's the one thing I think about. So everybody in this workout was between six, four and six, eight. Yep. Every, everybody in this workout had, you know, some length, some height. So I definitely think like Wendell Moore, um, Jermaine Samuels out of Villanova. He's just a class. Think about your classic Villanova big man. <laughs> Jeremiah yeah. Robinson Earl from yeah. two years. Like that that's who Jermaine Samuels is. Classic uh Villanova big. Six seven on the dot. Yeah. Small um, forward. So I feel like there were definitely some guys that they wanted to see Roddy go up against. And it's definitely the biggest concern with him. H- how does he respond? to playing against NBA level length, can he still be at, as effective as he was in college against just more length and athleticism? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I like it. Um, so let, the, one other real quick, the other guys that came in today, uh, Jake LaRavia from Wake Forest, pretty, pretty jump shot. Very just pretty. an easy, smooth jumper. Uh, he's like a pick and pop big. Josh Minow out of Memphis, real raw maybe like a future dunk contest champion. He's the guy you would love, D-Line, because yeah. he can do everything except shoot it. Oh, that's yeah. my favorite. That's, my favorite. favorite that's prospects. your archetype right I, there. Any any player that we talk about, it, I need to hear at some point, uh, has to work on his jump shot. Yeah. And then the, the final guy who I actually think is a little intriguing, yeah, Lucas Williamson from Loyola, the back-to-back Missouri Valley Defensive Player of the Year. And so this was this workout just featured a lot of defense. A lot of defense. <laughs> a lot yeah. of defense. Scored. First team to three wins. <laughs> did you <laughs> did you guys actually watch the no, you don't get no, to yeah, see. Get we just to saw shooting, some yeah. shooting at the end. And it's yeah. funny, man, like honestly, these workouts are and, and a lot of times it'll be a workout and like a lunch, so they'll take these guys out and do more because they're just trying to get to Arby's. What's that? Head out to Arby's, everyone together. The Arby's? Why not? Where's the nearest Arby's? Do <laughs> you think at Arby's right now, bro? I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I'm, I have a beef and cheddar on the brain. <laughs> you have a beef and cheddar on the brain. Oh, no, but they'll go out and they try to test them in every way. So on the court, sometimes what they'll say is they'll have a guy and it'll be like, hey, 
foul the hell out of him all game. Sure. We're not going to call it. Like, you know, and mm-hmm. we just want to see this. This guy keep his cool. Does he get frustrated? Or, or maybe it's, hey, just run. Just see if he'll, you know, see if he gets tired. Like, we just want to see how he handles. That's our question. So that's what we're going to do. So I imagine there really was some intent to who was brought in today and how those workouts went and, and, and you know, some of the intel you had. I would, I mean, listen, I've never watched college basketball. Just, I've never had a team that was worth following. This year, I watched every game for CSU, and <clears throat> David Roddy is the most interesting player that I could have. He really is interesting. I watched. He's I watched. Player, I watched him play bully ball when he was able to, when he wasn't going up against uh, Michigan with guys that were seven feet tall, and he was mm-hmm. asked to be the center. And then I also watched him go up against uh, in the, the the early season Paradise Jam, uh, where the CSU Rams were down by twenty one points, and he just shot them right back in. He just went they absolutely unconscious. He scored forty points uh, in a college game, which is insane. He just hit so like, I mean, it's it's funny because to, to hear you say like he can't shoot like. Sometimes he can sh- yeah, absolutely yeah, yeah. shoot. Like this guy is doesn't look like he can shoot. Sure, right. sure. He had a big time shooting year last year. He, he shot well over forty percent from yeah. three, but also his mid range shot is just it's silky. Um, and I don't know. I mean, obviously there's some bias here that comes into play. I'm I'm sure of it uh, because I just actually like really fell in love with watching my alma mater actually play basketball in a meaningful way. But man, David Roddy was at, was awesome to watch all year long. Yeah. He also it. said that CSU plays a similar style to the Nuggets. I mean, I didn't watch CSU enough to know this, if, yeah. if it's true, but uh, just a lot of player movement, he, a well, lot of uh, off-ball cutting, David a lot of read and react stuff. David Roddy uh, oftentimes has the ball in a place where you would give it to Nikola Jokic, and mm-hmm. he does a little bit of the running of the offense through him. It's not obvious. I mean, no one on earth right. does it like Nikola Jokic. So to that level, I mean, in a, in a small way they do it, but the problem is that he's the fulcrum. He's not right. like benefiting from it. So I, I don't know that. No, I think those things translate though. Like if you Could asked be. Yoke to not to, if you gave Yoke another Yoke, and so one of them had to be off ball, he would know exactly what to do because yeah. he knows how that system works. Sure. I think from a distance too, you might sort of look at this guy the way we're looking at some other guys right now outside of the state, and you'd see the sort of tweener thing. What position does he play? There are all these various limitations, but then being as close to it as we were and as the Nuggets were you know that the intangibles are through the roof. And second round flyers on guys, right now I feel like the NBA is in a place where there's, and shout out Jokic for this, there's room for a guy who, if you just know how to play the game, if if that comes to you naturally, there's room for you to, to sort of mitigate these deficiencies, particularly in the world of athleticism, where he's not sort of squarely one thing at the next level, but what he does have is he just understands how to play basketball. Yeah. And I, I think those guys right now are finding ways to succeed at the next level. Um, also, I know I heard today in attendance, Monte Morris. Yeah, I saw Monte. We had a riveting conversation. <laughs> I said, uh, hey, Monte. And he did not answer. Hell yeah. <laughs> Weird detail. It was, it was cool to see Monte and Michael Malone watching the workout together. It was the front office, you what know, you seated in, Mr. The, Nugget, in their chairs. And, and then Mr. Monte Mayor. and Malone at midcourt watching together. Just... Great Mr. Nugget energy. I don't know that anybody's going to be a better Mr. Nugget than Monte, man. It's going to be hard to talk. When you talk about all of the things you do, I mean, like we talk about there's guys that maybe have better, you know, vibes yeah. can be this or that yeah. or this. Or, but when you talk about the entire spectrum of things Mr. Nugget has to do, including for some reason showing up to summer workouts. Yep. That's right. But it doesn't matter. He didn't have to be asked. He was here to give well, me some input. I mean, something that Monte did, which just kind of uh, just nailed home the Mr. Nugget hat that he wears so well um, <laughs> earlier this uh, summer, 
just showing up to an Avs playoff yeah, game. Yeah. If you're Mr. Oh, Nugget, dude. it's re- a requirement that you attend <laughs> other teams. That's so true. Playoff games so locally. True. Is he in the running for Mr. Denver? Yeah, he uh, might be. Uh, we're gonna have to. Have to <laughs> I'm just a question. It's just a yeah. question. Mr. Nugget is an honor yeah. enough. You know, we don't need. I don't know. It might be better than Mr. Denver. It might be Holy better. Holy smokes! Um, <laughs> real quickly though, Calvin Booth spoke, and I'm yeah. really curious because this the first is it the first we've heard of him. Second? Well, we heard from him after the season, right? But this is the first we've heard from since, him since, since yeah, Tim's the departure. Yeah. I mean, my biggest takeaway from what Calvin said today, what he even had to say after the season, and it's funny what him and Malone had to say after the season, Calvin and Malone. I just think of in kind of a different light now, now that Tim has left and you wonder how much they knew and when they knew Well, first of all, I don't wonder how much they knew. This is the thing that everybody knew. Yeah. Yeah. So because of that, going back and listening to Malone's comments and even Calvin's comments, you think about it a little differently. I think Calvin has a real vision for how he wants to do things. I think he has a definite plan and a vision and a method of how he wants to handle business this summer. And I think he's just knows what he wants to do yeah. and he's going to go out and try to do it. I, I just guess that's get the sense that he's confident. He feels he's ready and he's excited. And, and um, if you think that he's going to just come in here and just say, Oh, I have Nico Jokic. I have Jamal Murray. I have Michael Porter Jr. You know, we, we can just run it back and we'll be healthy and, and we'll be all good. I think you're wrong. I, I really think Calvin, like I said, has a vision and, has a way that he wants to improve this team this summer and is going to be pretty bold in trying to do that. The subtext of what I, I what I think you're saying here when you say that it, you look at it in a different light, they talked about being aggressive and shaking things up more, and it almost feels like what you're suggesting is, meaning in contrast to Tim Conley's maybe style up until this point. Yeah. Is that is that kind of what you're hinting at? Definitely. Okay. Um, I think Tim's default was... Let's play it safe and less is more almost. run it back. Less is more continuity. Right. I, I don't think Calvin's going to be afraid to have his default be let's be more aggressive. Okay. I think that's the biggest Did, area where those two differ. So he's taking this and he's speaking both to what happened today, but also to sort of the other things. If you're speaking just about today, what were some of your big takeaways from Calvin's speech? He... I, Again, not to not to parrot wind. He seems v- very prepared for this, and obviously he knew that this Tim thing was coming, as we just touched on. But he, what he pointed out too, is he's been preparing for this moment for thirteen years. Right? It's Love not that. like he just joined the front office on some "I used to be a player" internship. Yeah. He's been preparing right, for right, this, right, and right. and there's and there's been those guys by by the way that have come through. If you just look back at the last sure. ten years of like second, third, fourth in command, there's definitely been some guys that have been like. <laughs> who was it, man? Uh, no, I guess we shouldn't do this. But there have been some guys where I'm like, you don't really want this. Like, you just don't know what to do with yourself. And they last one year, they're gone. And you're like, all yeah, right, yeah, well. yeah. And as Josh said, you know, like this guy, the last two decision makers he learned under are now the head decision makers for the Bulls and the Wolves. So this is not, you know, throwing a minnow in a big fish here. So I got the sense that he was very prepared. He does seem to have a plan of action. Mm-hmm. One thing I asked him that I was curious about you know, Tim always talked about how he just doesn't do the the asset thing. He treats players as people, what for better or worse. And I asked Calvin about that as well, and he said he plans on doing the same thing, mm. actually, that it's important to treat them like people. This is something he has some perspective on as a former player himself. He's been traded, amnestied, all that stuff. So he knows what it's like to make those hard decisions and have those hard conversations. But like Tim, he doesn't want this to be a cold, calculated approach, no matter how aggressive he gets. So, uh, yeah. 
All right, let's move. We got to move on because these next two segments are going to be, I think, uh, very, very content rich. Oh. Um, so let's take our first break. But on the other side, let's get into the Tim Conley, Calvin Booth portion of the Josh Cronkey speech from last Friday. Breckenridge Brewery, the hometown craft beer of your Colorado avalanche, is celebrating this historic winning season with people who have supported this community through such a challenging year by gifting Avs tickets to a pair of community stars each home game during the playoffs, even the Stanley Cup Finals. Um, Breckenridge Brewery, Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, they're also donating a portion of all proceeds of sales of Avalanche Ale through the playoffs to the Community Fund of Boulder County to benefit the Marshall Fire victims. So visit breckbrew.com to nominate a community star. Send them to an Avs playoff game, to a Stanley Cup Finals game. Uh, that's on the breckbrew.com website. Uh, of course, if you're in the area, stop in for one of our Avalanche watch parties for when the Stanley Cup Finals start. Uh, they'll be popping off for sure. We've got Breck Brew on tap. We got Breck Brew seltzers in the fridge as well uh, so make sure to uh, stop in if you're local corner colfax in york <laughs> apparently vote said throwing a minnow in a big fish is this the I, eventually you guys are gonna catch on i'm just <laughs> is that about my shit. marriage none of it means anything none of it's accurate <laughs> just saying words throwing a minnow in a big fish big are pond? you ready for the nba <laughs> champs to be crowned <laughs> Uh, join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds. You can really combine anything, player props, team props. Uh, make a bigger payout for yourself with parlays, same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals. Get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code DNVR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. I'm a little rusty. That's all right. You did, you did fine. <laughs> um, back here, <laughs> segment two, um, Tuesday edition of the DMVR Nuggets podcast. And we're going to talk about Josh Kroenke addressing the media for the first time in five years. You yeah. guys had immediate reactions to it, and I thought you did a great job. But I think we can get into the weeds now. I went through this entire thing. I've listened to it actually multiple times. I've highlighted, even on this little outline we have here, some of the key, like, words phrases word choices and things and rather than go line by line or ask big takeaways or this or that i kind of want to get to what i think are the big takeaways and we can just kind of play off of that and i'll start with i want to start with the tim conley calvin booth of this and hopefully this puts a total bow on the tim conley portion of it but I, again when people talk about the nuggets are now some people say screwed without tim conley some people say oh they're better off without him because now you get it new blood i don't care about that as much honestly i really don't like that conversation we've had and we've put a bow on The process is the most important thing, and a lot of this today is what does this reveal about the way they run their operation and the way they believe, what they meaning the Cronkies, the way they believe sets them up for success. (laughs) First of all, there were a couple 
lines that were repeated multiple times that you know were very important to Josh Kroenke. And the first one I have on here is that he says he caught flack on the back end, yep. flack, or flack on the front end for all of his decisions and flack on the back end. And it was almost a little defensive of a, hey, look, man, you guys beat me up when I hired Tim Connolly. Now you're beating me up when we lost him? Like, what's the deal here? Which one are you right? Like, it was his opening statement, but he actually brought it up another time. Uh, which, which, again, and he the way he said front end, back end, like, it was a thing that you knew was either rehearsed or something that he had at least said enough times to other people in defense of himself to uh, to make it. Here's my thing. True. He's right. He's right. 100% about this one right. Thing. He got flack for hiring yep. uh, Masai Ujiri. He got flack for losing Masai Ujiri. He got flack for hiring only Tim Conley as scout. Yep. He got flack for, for losing him. This part you have to at least hand to him and say, it is true. And I think that they, sometimes they can both be fair. But it is one of those things where I feel this way. Oftentimes with like with like DNVR, whenever you feel like you have to defend people, people will say something, it'll be proven to not be true, but t so much time has passed that it's like you don't ever get the like make up for that, right? right like right, right. the narrative is already out there, right? He gets credit for finding Tim Conley. He gets credit for finding Masai Ujiri. He gets credit for finding all of the various people that he has running the organizations in the Kroenke Sports Empire. And I have to say on this one, at least... We, we almost have to separate those things and say, no, he has this part of it that I think is proven and he gets credit for. Absolutely. I mean, he's made two hires for his lead basketball executive. He's knocked both of them out of the park. Yeah. Masai Ujiri was an incredible hire. People knew of him, but it's, it's Brandon. Dude. people didn't really know like who Masai Ujiri was and what kind of executive he was going to be when he was hired here. He's matured into... A top five executive, probably. Same with Tim Conley. Like, like Tim Conley was an assistant GM in New Orleans. Think about it now. Like you rarely hire an assistant GM to run your basketball operations department. Now, now it's always a GM or another president. Right, right. But Tim was a young. Pretty inexperienced assistant GM in New Orleans. And mm -hmm. we all called the move. And I'm not saying we because I wasn't even covering the league at the time. Yeah, but I was like I'm 18. <laughs> everybody said it was cheap. Why did they yep. hire him? Because it was cheap. And look, there's probably some truth to that. He was cheap. But there was also this idea of like better, in a weird way, almost like better to draft young, right? Than, right. Than this, that. So there was, I think, a method to the madness. We can keep moving on on this, yeah. though. But the, no, he's he's hit both of those out of the park. Absolutely. The, the next part he says here, uh, another repeating line, is he hinted at a somewhat messy way Minnesota operated. I mean, he has no, he pulled no punches on, mm -hmm. on the Minnesota Timberwolves. And there's a couple, again, repeated lines. One of those was the side door. How did Minnesota get to Tim door. Conley? They went through the side door. They didn't go through the front door. Now, this, of course, is implying that they did something that wasn't wholly above board. The front door is above board, right? Front door is, hey, let's let's do this out front. Side door implies there was some type of scheming. Scheme, another word that he used at one point when he was talking about this, a scheme. There was some kind of side door scheming. He mentioned a scrambled head that they had maybe put some things into Tim Conley's mind that scrambled his head and changed like things up. They put Is a curse money? on his his head. Yeah. Well, when they, well money, but uh, as we'll get to in a little bit, maybe not money. Right. Yeah. Maybe the illusion of money, yeah. or, for at least from his perspective. And lastly, I'll say that he he hinted at a sort of feeling of betrayal. And I'll give you this line here. Um, he talks about. How, and this is, by the way, context nobody had. This was the first time we heard this was from the horse's mouth, as it were. When he talks about why wasn't Tim Canley given an extension? Well, it turns out three years ago when Washington came looking for him, 
they gave him, they were offering him a five-year deal. And he said, look, we'll give you what is essentially a five-year deal, but with an out after the third year, which would be right now. So in, from this one per, important perspective, it was less money by his own admission than what Washington was going to offer. But it was a deal, obviously, Tim wanted, and it matched the years. The only thing was, he said, in three years, we can, if you want, revisit this to make sure that you are being paid by his own admission league average, not more or less. But but he just basically was saying, we'll look at what league average is and we can go from there. But it was more of a, this does this make it feel like you know we respect you and that we value you and this and that? And Tim Conley at the time says, yes, it does. This is where I want to be, and that's an, a deal that makes me feel all right about it. And that option that was in the middle, according to Josh Kroenke, was more of a friendship thing, like, hey, yeah. I'll give you this so that if you do feel underpaid, we can discuss such things. And he oh. says, look, if they offered you... Uh, um, Oh, that's what happens. There was an option in his contract. He chose to exercise it, and there was a major offer from him out there. Um, oh, oh, here's the part I wanted. I put that in his contract, never anticipating that he'd opt out and go to another NBA team. So this is why I say it. Whether or not he should have anticipated it or not, we, we can debate that as well. But for him, from his perspective, this was more of a, let's make sure that you understand I'm treating you fairly. We're giving you a five years guaranteed should you want those five years guaranteed. But if not, three years come to me through the front door and let's discuss this to make this happen and, and to make this a thing. This is at least how he's representing it. And I don't know because we don't have Tim's side of the story right now, but it stands to reason that this is an okay logic, that there is something here for him saying, if you are unhappy here, or if you feel like you need paid, come to us and we can handle this. And instead it maybe happened in a way that was a little, that at least felt to the Cronkies a little bit less than that. But I also felt like that option needed to be thrown in there because as he literally admitted, it it wasn't enough money. It was below league average. So he threw him an option because he lowballed. Well, no, he said it was at the time league average. Okay. And, and, and and then but in three years we can see what about, the market's doing, see how things have changed. Yeah. I, I I get that. I just the line about being surprised about like Masai left a team just approached him. Like how surprised can you be? That someone would come in with a big offer for your yeah. guy. This has happened. Th this is the third time it's happened. We talked about this on the day of, but it is it is bizarre to me that uh, he feels as though there is a front door and a back door in a industry where there can be a only one winner, a, a industry that is based wholly and purely on competition in its purest form. They, in our world, where there are many places that you can work, and there's no such thing as a winner or a loser. It's like, yeah, we're talking, you know, there's a way to conduct, but like, this is cutthroat, man. Like this is yeah. everybody like you, you need to well, do whatever you can to get ahead okay. because everybody else is willing to do whatever it is that they can do to get ahead. Um, so what do you feel like just with the specifics that we just laid out? What do you feel they went wrong and they, they went and, wrong is it in that they didn't make Tim feel like he was valued. They, they, the, like we said on the maybe, day, maybe oh, or maybe not. We'll get to that in a second. Well, I, but okay. to, to my feeling is that, like, if your girlfriend can be taken from you, then you weren't doing a good job. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I think I'm with you, D line. Um, like the front door, side door type thing. They went through the side door because you left the side door open. Yeah. Like he was going to be in an option or he had an option coming up this summer. Like you knew that was coming. You knew if he just declined it, he could just go to another team. So I, I think my my like feeling about that is like, 
you, there should have been more foresight there that this could happen. But to go back to your I point. I like that you said foresight. Hold yeah. on to that. To go back to your point, Adam, I did get the sense that Josh was hurt because I really feel like he did look at Tim as a friend and he put that option right. in there, kind, kind of like a personal thing. My read on that was Josh kind of expected Tim to go to him first. Right. Correct. And be like, so Minnesota's calling. I know I've got this option, but I think Tim just kind of went with his gut or just kind of played it out as it happened. Or maybe it got messy to him. Sometimes yeah, like people think put, put yeah. something in your lap that you're like, man, I didn't, this isn't the way I want to do it, but right. I don't have control right. over that. At and this all moment. of a sudden he was talking with Minnesota and he wasn't under contract. So, so I think Josh kind of felt a little bit of, Betrayal. I don't know if that's what happened, but that was my I read on his comment. There's almost no question that Josh Kroenke at, or in the Kroenke's collectively yeah. feel some sort of betrayal in this situation. Whether they should or shouldn't is up for debate. I, I can see both sides of it, to be mm -hmm. perfectly honest. Um, but here's the thing is you talked about foresight. Yes, I agree. And when we talk about the Comcast situation, that was a lack of foresight. Honestly, the biggest fault of the Cronkies is that they didn't see this coming and were wholly unprepared for it when it happened, when it shouldn't have been that surprising to them. We're going to get a little bit more on that here in a little bit. But the foresight of this is the problem. But I think the reason they didn't have foresight is because we've talked about this a lot. They are actually friends. I've never heard Tim Conley say a bad word about Josh Kroenke. I haven't talked to him in the last week or so, so maybe that changed us. But I've never heard him say a bad thing about him you know, in that way, he really, truly, genuinely likes and respects him as a person and as a boss. And I, I wonder if so much of this family aspect, they lean so heavy into it. And I think part of this is because their mind is in so many different places. We'll yep. talk about this later that I don't think they can run it like a, a corporation unless okay. they hired other executives mm -hmm. and they don't want to do that. So they run it like a family business, which involves a lot of handshaking and promising. And I think what happened here is they had a, hey, in three years, come through the front door. Yes, we left the side door open, but come through the front door yeah. so we can squash this. And if it turns out that you end up having to leave, there'll be no hard feelings. But I almost get the sense that they felt like this thing put them in a bad spot. And they're like, well, now you're going to pull the rug out from under us. And now this money is more. It, clearly, they believe. And, I, and again, I don't think you can fault them for this. They believe that there is a cap on what a front office, any front office person is worth. Definitely. And that the Minnesota Timberwolves are exceeding that. I actually, maybe they're right about this, by the way. Maybe, maybe they're right about this. I mean, here's the, yeah. here's the thing. There is only one Jokic, one LeBron, one Curry. There's like five, six, seven players that you can look at and say, okay, those are cornerstones, almost can't miss type building blocks and there's another 10 that are like they're not can't miss jason tatum might be one of these but if you have the perfect team around them you're going to have a, a contender as well outside so there's no replacing a Jokic. so the money for them can't possibly be too much there's probably a thousand people that could be great president of basketball operations in the world they're not all candidates and finding them in a, a sea of not great ones is very hard but it's not like they have a talent that is so wholly unique that they can't find other people and this is their philosophy I think the side door, front door aspect of it may, maybe made this a little bit contentious and maybe even led to, we all know Tim Conley wanted to be here, and maybe it led to a situation where he still planned to be here, and they were like, no thanks, you can go out the side door. Just to get out the side you, door. You can follow Mark Laurie out the side door yeah. now and get out of our lives. That's another thing I was going to say, is that if Josh Kroenke was just dealing with Glenn Miller, the still current but right. soon-to-be former owner of the Timberwolves, He's a front door type of guy. Right. He would have probably come in the front door, been, you know, Josh, can I speak with Tim? Yes. Exit out the front door. 
just business as usual. A Rod and Mark Laurie, they're side door type of guys. Yeah, yeah. for like, sure. They, they will come in the side door. They're, they're cutthroat, just like you said. They're going to do whatever they need to do to get to Tim Connolly. And I feel like if it, it was kind of like a perfect storm type situation where those two guys are taking over, want to put their imprint on the organization, are going to do whatever they need to do. But I mean, it just perfect storm situations I, I, happen all the time i will say though one way that this is not a normal environment because you're putting this into like it's a competitive and there's one winner there are organizations out there that have refused san antonio refused to trade with certain organizations los angeles lakers mm -hmm. because of the way people yep. operate and so this is one of those things where i would not be surprised if this is like a hey every owner in the league is looking at this deal and going okay is this a paradigm shift or is this one owner trying to make a paradigm shift and we are no we are not happy with this and now we can put pressure on them so there's these these things as well quickly because i want to get the final segment's gonna be the more interesting one where we talk about what does this all mean for what do we learn about him he did <laughs> it's funny he needs to talk to the media more and the reason i say this is because when you don't talk a lot every word then becomes more important because it's all we have to go off of right like we only have one tablet we have to create an entire religion after this one ta tablet that's basically what we're doing the gospel of Cronky is like and so the word he used the first word he used to describe calvin booth do you remember it no, what was it? It was bizarre. He said ruthless. <laughs> he wow. said he's willing to make ruthless decisions. And I remember thinking, we know what he means. He's willing to make bold decisions. Aggressive. Bold. Aggressive. Yeah. But ruthless implies a meanness to it, which maybe is a move that Mark Laurie just used to lure away somebody that he's <laughs> unhappy with. But it was kind of funny. Again, I think he's trying to convey a ruthlessness, but that word choice to me stood out, stood out uh, quite a bit. And then he also hinted at offering him a larger contract, not just hinted at it, all but came out and said that they are going to meet very soon and we'll have more information, but that yes. And again, we'll get into this. It's not just that he said basically that we have something, but also a philosophy he he put out there of, no, that is our guy, not our guy that we'll see how he does, interim head coach. That's our guy. And if he is your our, your guy, you don't need to be proven that he that he has. You know he's the guy and going forward. So and I then they'll get the next guy ready. Are we going to get into the shark tooth philosophy well, on the other side? On the very or, other okay. side, but first that's what I was going to say is, which is a line, uh, uh, which is in line with what he stated to be the KSE way. Yeah. In fact, he used the term KSE way, I think, at one point. And this was all part of it. And so when we look at the Tim Conley thing, we talk about the foresight and this or that. I actually think... I have crystal clear or, or more crystal clear than ever before vision for how they operate and what they value. And before, and I know everybody wants to always get mad and yell at Cronkies. I'm going to be the Cronky defender today, which is a role I've never played. The only, the last team of the four major sports to win a title, Los Angeles Rams. They are the last championship crown, the Cronky on Los Angeles Rams. Just last night, yep. the uh, Stanley Cup finals, the first team in by sweeping by the way and going 12 second, and 2 through the western conference yeah. through a good, good western actually. conference they're actually ruining the nhl 12 and 2 is the cronky owned uh colorado, colorado avalanche. avalanche and again the nuggets may be right there other than you know what's happened so my whole point is to say that we all need to look at this through the prism of he can sit here and say things that make us feel un uncomfortable or upset but there's a little proof in the pudding right now. Of they have a vision that they are describing that it, you have to at least point to and say it has worked out in recent, I, 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 recently. Oh, we'll talk about this on the other side. And we'll have to see. Don't if, agree with this. And, and we'll have to see if it's working out and what that means for the Nuggets coming up. If you haven't been able to watch Nuggets, Avs, and Rapids games this season, check out Evoca TV. It's a totally new paradigm for TV programming. 
it's a totally new approach uh, to TV programming delivery that is less expensive. It's easy to watch, offers a superior picture quality as well. Evoca TV has Altitude Sports. They have other national channels as well. Constantly growing, constantly adding new channels to their lineup, including the DNVR channel. We have a channel on Evoca TV. Super exciting. You could watch us on there. Go to evoca.tv slash DNVR. Use the promo code DNVR. You're going to get $10 off your first three months. That's only $15 per month for the first three months, plus a receiver, no contracts, no hidden fees. Not going to hike up the price on you all of a sudden evaca.tv slash dnvr use the promo code dnvr get ten dollars off your first three months of evaca tv at light shade dispensary you guys can pick up some wana uh wana is oh the optimals uh wana optimals fast sleep gummies uh if you need to catch up on some shut eye after the big game no matter when you take them this well-rounded recipe will leave you feeling rested and refreshed in the morning Wana Optimal's Fast Asleep Gummies, they offer a holistic plant-based solution that tackles the root causes of sleepiness like stress and pain. It's a fast-acting sleep aid that will have your eyelids feeling heavy in just 5 to 15 minutes. It's a fully calibrated, carefully calibrated formula that contains 10 milligrams of CBD, just a hint of THC, plus the sleep hormone melatonin. Uh, so you can find Wana at Colorado's premier dispensary, Lightshade. They've got 11 convenient Denver Metro and Aurora locations. The Barnum, Barnum location, one block off six and federal now open as well. You guys can get 25% off non-sale items with the code DNVR. Shop online at lightshade.com or pick up at a Lightshade location near you. Um. All right, so here we are, final segment here. Now we're talking about what does it mean, the KSC way that he referenced here, and I think it's becoming more clear. Um, the first thing, and it was the first line he used, I think. It was the very first question, very first line, and he used it, I believe, three or four different times he used the phrase revolving shark teeth, um, which, which, by the way, I don't think was something he thought of in the last week, like some of these other side doors and some of these other things. Yeah. I think this had a lot more to do with, this is a philosophy they've had, and we've actually talked about this for a while, but this is a philosophy they have of always having you have your guy but then you should have another guy in the wings not because you're ready to off the guy in front but that you want if you should lose someone you are less exposed to that and it's part of how they've done at least for abs and nuggets but i don't i can't really speak to rams i just don't know them well enough but the revolving shark teeth and just to kind of give you what it means here he says uh we wanted to have the next man on staff in case something happens so we've always operated under the guise of revolving shark teeth kind of system since 2013. It makes this. It makes a lot more sense, and this is why I say he's now on the hook to extend Calvin Booth, in my opinion. Because if this is, if you really mean that, then you're not waiting to see if Calvin's your guy. He was the tooth. Yeah. You're not waiting to see if this mm-hmm. other tooth is your next tooth. It is your next tooth. So I, I have to assume, and I do think that is coming. But it gives us a little bit of a, of an understanding of they do view these people as valuable but replaceable. Right. I think that's honestly the right way to view things. Everybody's replaceable. I no, think, not players. Jokic is not replaceable. That's the difference. I'm, I'm just talking about executives yeah. and coaches. And but in executives, by the way, also business ops people. Like I, yeah, I just know this from knowing some behind the scenes yeah. stuff that you lose a marketing exec. It's like, oh, you got a better job with the right. Atlanta Hawks, no problem. Right. Right. Yeah. We, we, All those people are replaceable. I think that's the right philosophy to have. I also they maybe are more see these people as maybe slightly more replaceable than most. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The shark tooth <laughs> philosophy. I also think it's the right call. I'm, of, of course, you want somebody mm-hmm. that you're grooming to potentially step into that role if your top guy leaves. My biggest problem is you're just 
like setting yourself up to lose your top guy. Like you're almost expecting to lose your top guy yeah. under this philosophy and how Josh Kroenke put it. Like, are the Nuggets going to lose Calvin Booth in a couple years? But they're maybe. But when a shark loses a tooth, it's not that it goes hungry. That's the whole point of this thing is they actually believe this to be an okay thing. And yes, they might lose Calvin Booth in eight more years or something mm. like that. But that they. I talked to Eric a lot about this. I mean, obviously, you guys both know we're partners at DMR. We talk a lot about how to run a business and stuff. Like, we're learning this stuff on, on, on the fly oftentimes. And we often think about people will think running a business is one thing. Like, oh, we're just doing content. We're just doing this. But a lot of time, it's are you focused not on is this the right guy, but is your system in place for this guy to succeed? Yeah. And to me, that's what this revolving shark teeth thing is, is less about like we want to all throw like they should just pay and keep the rest guys and they're saying no actually that's not where you're best at you're actually best set so that if you lose a tooth you don't lose anything here's the go ahead Bowden. no i was just gonna say here's the difference in this situation from that um and the way that they've operated with all of these other really successful uh franchises is that the the decision makers that are in place at the avalanche and at the rams were put in place to start a new vision. Yeah. And they we are now at the culmination of a vision that's been put in place by empowering the right people and allowing them to grow and and giving them what they need being that hands-off uh, you know philosophy that the way that they frankly have to operate just because they have so many things in their world. Um, this is different because this is not this is th th that shark tooth philosophy. I I I mean I get what they're saying but We've not seen that be successful. We've seen like when they plant new, when, when a new baby shark is born and we allow the shark to grow and then Joe Sackick, for example, like uh, when he was hired in town uh, in the first couple of years he was here was almost run out of town because the avalanche were absolutely right. terrible, but they just allowed them to continue on. This is now, okay, you empowered a guy at the lowest moment of the Nuggets uh, they were completely dead. Like they got rid of Masai Ujiri. They got rid of George Carl. They, but, but things bottomed out, and they let Tim, him grow forward. Tim wasn't really the next Shark Tooth, then though he was a. He was That's a what new, I'm saying. They, 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 I, I, let me let me let me put, give you two examples though. Arturis was a big loss, but the Nuggets seemed to have brought Calvin, who seems very very impressive, sure. and he was sort of that next. You know, for for the for the GM title, you lost Steve Hess, and I remember thinking at the time, like Steve Hess has been in the business thirty years, like this or that. Felipe has been that guy that was behind Steve Hess yes. for several years, and when Steve Hess left, I don't think he actually lost anything. In fact, you might have gained something from it in a way that none right. of us expected. But we're talking about this the the the, the strategy. It's just the biggest part of this it. is the the main decision maker, which controls the ultimate strategy, the ultimate navigation point, of where the Nuggets are going, right. their philosophy. We don't. I mean, we know that Calvin Booth and, and Tim Connolly are uh, ha share at least some form of right. uh, the shared vision of where they saw the Nuggets going. But I mean, it's different when you pull, the, the one guy that's pulling the trigger is different. Like it's, it's going to be different forevermore. And we just lost the primary vision in the middle of our uh, our, our voyage here. So I, yeah. to me, it's and like, I don't Calvin feel great Booth about it. really the, good, they're gonna lose them again. Yeah. Exactly. And they're gonna be fine with that. But again, though, this is a wildly presumptive strategy that the next tooth up is just as sharp and effective. Yeah. I mean, like, it's cool that he identified Messiah and Tim, and he gets credit for that, but you just assume you can keep rolling that way? Just next man up's got it every time? We don't have to pay anyone? Well, here's the thing. There are a lot of people that will put these on paper. Like, and I think Mark Laurie, honestly, and Alex A-Rod might, might be these guys. I mean, you look at their first month in business. 
a little wild. Totally. I would call it a little reckless, to be honest. They're doing deals that, first of all, seem to I have I would pissed. call it a little desperate. <laughs> you might even call it, some might call it desperate. Some might call it desperate. You might call it desperate. And it might work out. And, and oftentimes, when you do something crazy, it it, ends, it either works out really well, and everyone's like, you're a genius, or it falls flat, and you're like, Vivek, what the hell are you talking about? Look at all this dumb stuff you said, and none of it worked out. Now you've just ruined your franchise. And I don't know which one Minnesota is going to be. It's not uh, anything about Tim. It's just the idea of you are less than a year into this. In fact, you're actually not finalized as the owner yet. And you're already making moves that have never been seen on a large scale that puts you in eight years in the future in terms of, of what you're going to pay. To me, I just look at that and I go, if it works out, great job. But it almost seems a little bit like these people are willing to throw Hail Marys on first down of the first quarter. But the Cronkies didn't have to throw Tim a Hail Mary. What I'm saying is... They just decided to run like a slant on like for seven yards up the field. Like, What do you mean? I'm saying the Cronkies had Tim, and they didn't have to come in and be like, here's like s- startup stuff and equity and all that. They could have just yeah. matched Washington the first time, not have to throw him a bone on the third year because the deal's shit, and then he's still here. Yeah, but that's I, mean, I don't think... The, 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 question is, shit. the question is like how many GMs could have been got through this strategy? It's just that Tim could could have been got, which is the problem, right? Right? Like yep. they there, left there's the just, side door open. Yeah, there's just so many franchises where I'm sure that a Rod, you know, called and they just didn't. Yeah, get could a call you imagine back. if they ca- tried to get Masai Ujiri? Right. Like exactly. what Masai in Toronto would right, say? Right, right. They'd be like, "Ha ha!" Like, see you yeah. at the draft. Bye. Right. Right. Totally. <laughs> By the way, Masai left Denver and went on to let me check my notes here. Win a title. Right. Like, keep these guys. Yeah, the, 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 we, we've talked. About the it. other thing here is uh, they talk about rewarding guys early. And I thought this was one of the more interesting things. He was asked about the Michael Porter Jr. contract, and he basically took ownership of that. Josh did because yeah. everybody always says this is a Tim Conley thing. He pays everybody too much and too early and under pressure and this or that. He actually said this was an organizational philosophy. He used that twice in one sentence when talking about MPJ and about how that's our MO. When we get a guy that wants to be in Denver and wants loves the game of basketball as Michael does and loves to work hard as Michael does, he's like, we believe in people, we invest in people, and we do it early. And he, so for him, this was not a necessarily a Tim Conley thing, although I think Tim helped cultivate a lot of these philosophies that now Josh Conkey also you know, is a big part of. But he took ownership of that one, and I thought that was very interesting to me. Because he didn't have that would be the easiest one to distance yourself from. Be like, well, you know, he was busy to give contracts up. I mean, I don't. You, it's be tough to, for him to distance himself for that because. But he didn't. He's just, not. He's not the owner. But it, in the end, it is is his decision. But it doesn't matter. He didn't have to own it. He actually yeah. went out of his way to own it in he a way that I was like, sure. oh, that's pretty interesting. And but again, I think we know that Josh is a big MPJ guy too. Like they have the Missouri connection. Yeah, that's true. I I remember there's a story from draft night where, like, Josh was really hyped about that pick. Uh, I think he still is a big MPJ guy. Still continue. I mean, I do think that they operate as a family, and I don't mean this as in they love each other very much. I think they operated as in a small group, meaning they they prefer this almost skeleton crew style way of running their operation. And again, as we've talked many times, there are major strengths to that, and there are some weaknesses to that. We're seeing the weaknesses right now, but we have to acknowledge that there are real strengths to it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Now we're going to get into some of this other parts here. The community asset, which I thought was great. Dev asked him this question where he was asked about what is the role of an owner with a team. And he says, (laughs) they might call us owners of the team, but... These are community assets. Our job is to be custodians of these teams and try to make people proud. And he went on to go on uh, at length about what that means to be a a custodian. I respect him for saying it. 
I don't know that that necessarily matches all of what they were saying, especially when we put this up against the altitude piece of this. I don't know if it if it matches hmm. that. But I will say that I do think there is something to at least acknowledging the, the aspect of this in, in the way that they did, that they do at least acknowledge that this is not just a fun toy to own, but that they do owe something to the community. Now the question is, can we grade them on how well they accomplish that? Yeah, that was actually the question about yeah the obligation of the city. I asked him that one. He uh, and I was glad to hear him say community assets. And I knew. Then I followed up and I said, "Do you think your father is meeting that obligation?" Now I don't expect him to answer that question anyway, except one. But I did kind of want to at least make him say those right. things because it's good to hear him acknowledge that he views it as a community asset and. If that's the case, there are a lot of people in this community that are that are What's calling the for more. Well, let me ask this. What's the most important thing they can deliver to the city? <laughs> Being able to watch it. Is that more important than a championship itself? Yes. Well, first of all, can you watch the Nuggets in town? Uh, what do you mean? I mean, like, Can you watch them? Is it possible to watch yeah. them? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. They, it's a blockout with Comcast, which is the biggest provider. But there oh, are but, uh, ways. I'm just saying there are ways. I, I'm not trying to excuse them. I'm just saying... If you're saying the number one thing is that they have to be available on cable television, like well, I mean, I normally would not have said that, but uh, I've seen what that looks like now for three years. Uh, I mean, that to me seems like the lowest possible entry. Well, let me let me ask you this: If you had the choice right now to choose a Nuggets championship, but this dispute continues for the next five years the exact way it is, or they're back on TV next year, but you know they'll never win it. Well, of course, a championship. So that's but my point. It's the like, number one thing is to b- deliver a championship, to deliver a competitive sure, team as a championship. Sure. The number two, I think, is you owe it, obviously, to make the distribution possible, make it this and that. It, it, it and seems like third, two different categories to me. But Oh, I yeah. think it's all the same. But here's the thing. The third one is I think that you actually have to connect the team. And this is – if I have two things, the Comcast thing to me, it's like inexcusable. And then the second thing is – I don't know that they've done a great job of connecting the team. Like the Rams were connected to St. Louis. They weren't connected to Los Angeles. And even now they're not, they're champions, but I don't know what they are. The nuggets. I don't know that are connected to the city the way they should be when they have lit- a literal gift sent from God to them in the form of Nikola Jokic. I don't know that that has reached a city See, the way that I feel they are obligated yeah. to figure out a way to make that happen. Mm-hmm. A lot of that is TV, but to, some of that is yeah. just marketing them. Right. To, totally. me this, to me, this is actually the most important thing to do is to make the team feel like it is the community asset like it is belongs right, to right. the city like it doesn't just simply exist here and suck money out of the community right. it is actually something that people feel proud of championship of course but i mean i don't think i don't think that a team has to win a championship to fill that role for a city like a good point, there actually. are a lot of things you might like, have me. yeah well there's just like a lot of things like you can feel pr- i mean I, I do feel proud about the right. like i i like the way that they conduct themselves there but they're just so bad at the marketing aspect um, and things that are, sound a lot more cold than um, what they actually represent. Like they just need to f- make people feel as though it is their team. And it, and it what's interesting about this is he had the worst line of all of this was when he said, we fill this blackout just as much as you, if not more, <laughs> the least because thing it was the least self-aware thing, say. but I think it's actually important in the way itself. Uh, it's lack self-awareness which is in this very way. He admits and he understands at least conceptually that this is a community asset and that they owe it to the city. But I don't know that he actually understands what that means in a tangible way, which is what you're talking about. It's not just the dispute, although it's an enormous one. But I think it's also an, are you connecting? You have this guy, Jokic, that literally makes us happy. You have Jamal Murray, who brought us some of the most beautiful games and some incredible moments we'll remember for the rest of our life. We have these games. We have all these things we have. We know how valuable they are. 
Do you know how important that is to give to everyone? And are you giving that to everyone? Or are you actually just not focused on that part very much at all? Which is what I would argue. And that's why when you say we feel it more than you, I say you don't actually understand what it means to be a custodian of this asset. You've got to go looking for the nuggets in this city, whether that's to watch them on TV, to find a bar. We've given you one. But I remember when I moved here, you had to go looking to find other people who care, to find right. other people wrapping mm -hmm. the gear, to find other people going to the games. You had to go looking. And it should be right there in your face. You cannot make it three feet in Portland without right, realizing right. this is the trailblazers territory. There is no sense of that in Denver whatsoever. And all of these things go together. I mean, it's they've got to not just go into the tax, which they're committed now on contracts. They've got to stay there. They've got to right, identify these right. talents. But then they've I think they've got to stop viewing every single one of these people as replaceable. Sure, there's a limit, but their strategy clearly is we are comfortable underpaying people and letting them leave. They don't have a practice facility. The G League team was practically forced on them. We're several years removed from them trading assets to stay out of the tax. It's not all of these things matter, and they've done none of them. Yeah. So... I I mean, part part of these, I absolutely agree with you, and the broader one, I think. But some of the specifics we're talking about, again, I just think they're business philosophies that may be proven right over time, the same way Tim Conley was proven to be the right guy that they brought in over time. Again, as unpalatable as it might be, there are difficult decisions you have to make when you are a business owner, and that might be one that actually in time proves to be to be correct. We'll just have to wait and find out. Citing the other team's success is horseshit. How long has it been since the Avs were in a conference final? Oh, well, but, but hang on. No, hang on. I'm, I'm, I'm going. So that's a very talented team. 20 years later, they drafted and assembled they've another. They've been good every time. They've very talented team. That's, okay, but when was the last time they were in the conference final? 20 years ago. So they're there now. By hack, like Sackage did a great job. It's a good thing they've retained him. Um, so they are there now. But they, they happen to get there 20 years later. He's. He, it's, it's not like this is. Okay, it's not like that that ball arena or this separate Avs practice facility is a marvel. That, like, there's that, 30, 32 hockey teams. 32. So if you make it every twenty years, you're actually beating the odds. Listen, I understand that they have a good hockey team right now. It took twenty years. I don't think it's because I think Nathan McKinnon is really good. Kale McCarr is really good. Bednar is really good. They they cite the, Josh the, Josh cited the Rams' success like three times. You just spent a shitload of money on the Rams, and then they won. Well, this brings me to another point you here. Spent a another shitload of money on that team, and then they okay. Won. But this brings me to another point spend about spend money on your other teams. This brings me to another point though about KSC because one thing people have always asked is about the training facility. And I think that there's actually an answer to this that he sort of revealed in this one. And you might again, you can disagree with it, but this isn't this is another part of the KSE way. I think they are they actually think very big, but very, very slow. And when I say slow, I mean decades yeah, slow. Yeah. The reason I feel somewhat confident speculating on this, the reason there's not a practice facility is because there is plans for a major development downtown that is going to take the next decade to build, and that will include most likely a state-of-the-art facility. Who knows, maybe even a new stadium, but it is a massive undertaking. And why would you build one right now that came online in 2022 when in 2028 you're very likely to have a, a replace that one? It sucks because, in my opinion, when we talk about they're not just – rebuilding oh we're going to go out to commerce city and build this facility build that in two years 18 months or so you get that up and running you're talking about we're going to build some condos on top of a state-of-the-art facility for the abs and next but it's also right here by high rises and maybe a stadium and a park like it's a major undertaking this is why i say they're thinking really big and it's like the rams in a lot of ways where they didn't just make a stadium they made an entire freaking city mm -hmm. and i think they're it sounds like that is the plan 
the thing that sucks is you have a title contender right now that will probably never see that facility. It's almost certainly five years away. That's the fault of having an owner double as a real estate mogul. But it is thinking big. So when you say when, when you say this like it twenty is, years and you say it almost dismissively, part of me looks at this and says, "Okay, the Cronkies have owned these teams now for less than twenty years, but or right around twenty years." And you look at it and you can actually say there's a very long term vision that it seems where they are doing these. They're just very slow. Where some people will make quick decisions, this or that, and then alter and do this or that. It's a very slow build, and we'll see if it pays off. Right now, they do have the Abs and Nuggets have been built very similarly, and they s- appear to be teams that are set up to not just be good right, right now, but to be good for several years. And that is the fruits of a long process yep. that got them here. So, which they then cut off by allowing their shark tooth to leave. I mean, did they cut it off? So, then are we done? I mean, I the the the, the, the long build is is done. It's done. It's a new you era. Think? It's a new era. One, one way or the other. It either it either grows off and is still successful, but I mean, it, it is done. Like you, when you, it's like when the, the example I used when Ryan Blackman was here. Like when you left Stiffs, it became different. Right. right. Was it better? Was it worse? Right. I, it just it's different. Right. I. Uh, right. I think the next one here is when he says they're not a startup. Here's another part of the. So for me. We have the revolving shark tea. Certain people are expendable, but we always are prepared for this or that. We have the slow build but think big philosophy that the Nuggets and Avs haven't quite seen the full benefits of from the facility. But I suspect that those are coming. They're just going to be so painfully late that they're going to arrive just in time for the Nuggets' next rebuild, which is going to be hilarious when yeah. the worst yeah. team in the NBA has a yeah. state-of-the-art the, facility. This, this, at the end of the day, it's like the what it is to be a fan of a Cronky team is that yeah, you have man. to understand that – they're going to put people in place that they feel can do a good job. They have shown that they can find talent and put people in the right place. Yeah. They are not going to give them the support that we all wish they were going to because they can't, because they just have fractured focus because they are involved in so many goddamn things. And there's only two guys that ultimately make decisions. Like we've had conversations with people uh, in the, the, in the know that are like, it's, you know, they, how does it work? Like they, are great in that they don't bother you. They are not great in that sometimes it takes like two days to hear back on whether or not you're allowed to make a trade. Right, right. And that's just kind of what it is, man. And so when you lose a guy like Tim Connolly who is just so connected to that top level and in some ways is good and bad when a guy like Josh Kroenke feels like that's his right-hand man, his friend, he doesn't need to check in on him all the time something like this can happen because they turn a blind eye because they feel so comfortable with it. Um, when then, you know, the side door happens because right. they are counting on, Tim I think to they're always going to be vulnerable to side doors. Like, I don't that's think that's the a lesson that they're going to learn no, from this. So, somebody not susceptible to a side door is Alex Rodriguez and uh, Mark Laurie, because this is their, <laughs> that's their, all they're looking yeah. at. They have people around. They're creating a perimeter. They're only thinking about the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's just it, all there is in their right. entire world. This next, well, first of all, I don't think A-Rod's only focused on the Minnesota Timberwolves. Mike. As far as, but he's, he's there to be the face anyway. Mark Laurie is going to be the guy that's focused on him. Um, the next line that tells me the KSC way, when he says they're not a startup, I think he meant that as an insult. But I think, yeah, yeah. But I think it's actually a double-edged sword. Like startups, first of all, are sometimes great, sometimes not. So what startups are, as he was talking about, they're desperate. Like they're just getting started. They need to make a splash. They need to make a name. That's what he meant. But I think he actually meant something else that he didn't necessarily realize he meant here. And that is startups disrupt the industry. Startups disrupt. That's what they're supposed to do. We're a startup. We're trying to disrupt. We're, we are creating something that is 
we know media has exist. We know sports media has exist. We're changing it. It's completely different than what anybody else in town has or is doing. The Timberwolves are a startup. They are disrupting. Hibs lying here with this almost disdain for the fact that they are a startup, that they are doing this, <laughs> actually to me hints about a very important thing with how they view altitude. Because altitude, whether they want to believe it or not, is a different entity than any other RSN. It is different. They actually are, even though they've been around for 15 years now, a startup of sorts in that they are a one-off. And this is where I think their model is, again, once again susceptible is you almost need a startup's mind frame to figure out this Comcast dispute because Comcast is going to own you. They are the boss of the traditional media. Like you can't, you, you're just not going to outfox them in this. You're not going to outgun them. You're not going to be able to outdo this. They are more powerful than, than Stan Kroenke is. They need to be a startup for that one. They actually need to be a startup if they want to figure, or they need to get out the game, which is what I actually think is the best answer here. And yeah. I hate it because I love the people at Altitude. There's some great talent there. It's but true. one of the problems that we've run into here, another thing about the KSE way is they cast an insanely wide net. Teams on different continents, separated by 15,000 right. miles, right. separated by different cultures and everything else. And then on top of that, you're trying to run a media company in the middle of the most rapidly evolving media market we've ever seen. I just yeah. do not think there is any world a non-startup admiring company can figure this out on top of running all of right. these games. So much of what Josh said definitely came from a um, just a conglomerate like philosophy and just kind of the, the KSC Empire uh, handbook. And yeah, I think he was looking down on Minnesota, calling them a startup. I also think he was saying. Like, look at us. Like, we are Cronky Sports and Entertainment. We have freaking Arsenal. Right. You know, we have we just won a Super Bowl. We're KSC. Like, we are established. We are something. We don't need to go to these desperate measures that Minnesota is also doing. But by doing that, I think it showed the worst side of KSC also. And so many of Josh's quotes, and I wrote this in my piece, were just like straight off the talking points that were probably emailed to every executive on what to say about a practice facility, right. what to say about altitude. Right. He, one of his quotes about a practice facility was legit. We are very committed to providing the Nuggets and Avalanche, a state-of-the-art facility, facility that will make our teams and the, and the fans city, of Colorado it's, and the city funny. proud. Like I'll be proud of the, yeah, it, it was legit right out of whatever yeah. the talking points about a facility were supposed to be. If he was asked, well, it was the same thing about the altitude. His response to the altitude question was just straight off, just a company wide email about what you should say. And it was like, wow, they, they are just this conglomerate that just operates in this way. So I think like, those answers that he gave and talking down to Minnesota and calling them a startup. I mean, he's right. Uh, I see what he was trying to do, but I also thought it showed off the worst aspects of KSC. Yeah, and the Nuggets owners aren't in position to talk down and look down on other teams. Stop telling me about the Rams. We're talking about the Nuggets. The Rams are a different team. Also, the Rams just won. You just spent an astronomical amount of money on that team in the last five years. So there's a proven formula. You could bring that to the other teams if you wanted. But just if I'm, as I'm asking, no, you could. They have the money. As I'm asking you about the Nuggets. No, I'm stop. not talking about the money. I'm just, just saying they are spending an astronomical amount in the way that you're talking about on this Nuggets team. It's going to be the most second most expensive roster next year. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I'm just saying. I'm just saying that until they are several years into the tax actually paying it, until that facility is actually there, 
until they pay to keep an the executive. The tax thing is funny but, too because we're, we're, it's like I'm not. It's not like they have a choice. I know. Yeah, they're going to be so <laughs> deep into it. Just we're prepared to pay the tax. Like you don't really have a choice. Here's here's the th here's the last thing I'll say about though, and the deal the thing I'm getting here about them is I think that they cast a very wide net, but do not go deep deep at all in any ways. Yep. And what I mean here is when he says that they're going to build a facility that makes the city proud. I don't know if the city is going to feel pride in the Nuggets practice facility. Although it's feel pride in the Nuggets, and if those things go hand in hand as we believe they will, like you get the the facility helps you to be a more reputable organization that maybe gives you a better chance, that will be part of it. But I'm telling you, the part that they don't seem, and, and I think this is where Josh Kroenke needs an ordinary friend. He needs just a regular <laughs> guy that's like in his life here. I'm Josh, it, I'm available. <laughs> is that you need to have, you're going to have a team that can contend for a title. You're going to have this new redevelopment down there that you hope brings pride to the city. But you also have to connect this team to the city. Yep, that's it. And that's the part is you can only do these things so much and it casts a wide net. And maybe you get them right a decade too late, but maybe you get them right eventually. But it's like, is that going to make that's this great? Or is it in 2040, you're going to build all this stuff, and in 2040, you're going to look around and say, why isn't the fan base well, in yeah. on this? We're moving to Seattle. And it's, it's like, it's, no, it wasn't Denver's fault. It was your fault for not connecting. It's also the them. order of operations, too, because like we were talking about earlier, of course winning a championship is the most important thing. Of course that's more important than getting the team on TV. and I think it's more important than connecting to the culture of the city. But then when you do win the championship and you haven't done those two other things and nobody's at the parade – <laughs> You're like, we kind of messed up here. But it, it doesn't matter because you won a championship. Yeah, like, it's funny because if you look at the Rockies, like, the Rockies have done a really great job about making Denver, Colorado so feel great, great about Coors Field. This is so true, man. They've but actually, no, but at no, they, not right. a single person feels good about You're the Rockies, so right? true. This is such a great... So the, there is... What they have is they've made a great team that the team could the city could feel good about. But, like, Ball Arena doesn't feel great. The practice facility, like, just... Being state of the art doesn't make us feel good, other than it means we have a first class organization. It's a an first example that you actually care, but you yes. have to understand it's not just caring about the team's success. Yes, you need yeah. to care about the way that yes. connects to what every it, single person yes. or gives an opportunity to connect here. The closeness is such a good sort of final way to look at this, and because that's the stuff too these windows of yo the time is now right, right. that people want to latch on to the nuggets right. because Jokic is here and you're right that all of these things in a vacuum don't necessarily represent what we're talking about but there's a way you can bring it all together yes. and for the 400th time in the last two weeks I'll reference Golden State again who yeah. I just think did this so well they really did and this is some of the stuff I'm talking about brilliant ownership group there I will say it is very clear that Josh takes a lot of this personally yeah. That to me is encouraging yeah. in, in its own way, if that makes sense. I was honestly more encouraged than discouraged by this. I mean, there's just things we come through here that we just pointed out, but there's yeah. honestly a lot of this that I'm like, I'm glad they stated the mission statement. I agree. Because it makes it more clear. And I think, I hope he's now, Josh Kroenke really needs to have a state of the union address every year. You just can't go this long with like, with not, with not speaking to people and letting them know what you think. But here's my last point here is this dispute. It's not lost on me that this altitude being off TV. First of all, the one question I wish people would have asked was, could you not have taken a short-term deal that sucked, but gave you time to work through this while you had two-time MVP on television? Like, could you not have... It was so unpalatable that you couldn't say, here's a five-year deal that we're just going to have to suck up. Are and and in five years, are you losing money then? You're losing money now. Like, couldn't we have just done that? And maybe there's an answer to it, but I doubt it. But here's the thing. 
it's not lost on me that the three years since they've been on not been on television coincide with the three year of a global pandemic. They coincide with a very rapidly evolving city of Denver that I think it's not one force. There's a lot of force that are all taking place here. And it's not lost on me that these things are so important. The Cronkies, every person on earth has a small piece to play in the city for which they belong. A very, very small piece. Mm-hmm. The Cronkies have a small piece, albeit bigger than most people's pieces by quite a big mark. But it's big still big. Piece. I don't want to say that the Cronkies need to save the city of Denver. I'm not, no. I'm not going that far. But they do play an important role here. And it's not lost on me that in a two, three year run where the city has been among the most vulnerable of the last 2030, it coincides with this ridiculous uh, moment in time when they haven't, when they've dropped the ball on these things. Yeah. Yeah. The, but also coincides with like the most fun two, three years run that the Nuggets have the had. The timing's it's, unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it is. It's disgusting. I mean, God. Uh, Ice lemonade on a hot day is what they have. And they're like, we're. <laughs> the funny thing is, is that the, the craziest things like we're begging for them to do ultimately benefit them more than anybody else. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is the thing. They, they poured money into the Rams. Like they're going to recoup that. 20,000 fold. I think the KSE way shows us that there is just too many things for them to be able to juggle at once. And and that's really, that is it. You guys are doing too goddamn much. You're doing too much. If you look at their list of holdings, you're like, what like what is the what's the what's the plan it's here? Probably part of why Josh hasn't spoken in five years. It's like of he course. would be speaking every three days if he addressed Dude, they, the mammoth. They, yes, the think, consider this. Consider this. Every three, I got another Josh, one. Josh, we need a public it. statement. Yeah. <laughs> He's got all I, of that. I think um, I, I I'm I enjoyed you coming back and pushing back a little bit with the other perspective. That's that was good for this conversation. And look, you might be right that these things are all coming. The facility, the, these consecutive tax bills, they very well could be. And so if they focused, do, dude. if they will, if they do, you know, hat off. Like, I'll give you all the credit I'm not giving you now. I'm just going to wait till I actually see it. Dude, it's just all about focus. It just shows focus. Yeah, That's yeah. everything that you understand. Like, in the world of business, in the world of everything, they, they, you, they you say, like, follow the money. Like, okay, where are they putting their money? The money where are they, put, are they putting their money? That's what they are most interested in at any given time. Currently, it's the Rams. Yeah. Um, Arsenal and Arsenal um, and you know just like don't buy any more teams would you please (laughs) (laughs) all right everybody that does it for today I thought it was a very two days in a row I thought very very interesting conversation changed in the last two days (laughs) last week was some great conversations as well I wasn't just trying to give you how many times do I have to compliment you publicly more than you know all right private yeah we're we're in the deficit just FYI there's a cumulative effect of uh, all the time we spend together Uh, everybody thanks so much Warriors would win without uh, Gary Davis. (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow we're having AJ Hayfley of DMVR Avalanche. I can't wait to have him on the Avalanche headed to the Stanley Cup. And I want to ask him the similarities. And he's also a big Nuggets guy. Like he knows also. He might. Everybody in the NVR, he knows every sport like very intimately. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he's going to share some insight about what's maybe different about how the Avs built. What's similar and what can we learn? What can the Nuggets learn from the Avs to get the Nuggets in the NBA Finals the way that they are in the Stanley Cup Finals? Thanks, everybody. Let's go. See you tomorrow.